Hey everybody, this is Stacey Bellward, the host of the Connected Families podcast. Welcome to the community. We are people committed to pursuing God's grace and truth for ourselves and then daily working to pass that grace and truth on to our children. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. Well, hey, I have a question for you. Have you ever told a friend or maybe your spouse, this child will argue with everything I say? Or maybe you say something like, my child is just never wrong. Well, I know there are many of you that would say, yes, I have said that. So friend, we have been there and this episode is for all of you. You know, in the Power of Questions online course that my colleague Chad and I, in that course, we talk about how to deal with outrageous statements. We talk about the reasons why interactions with our kids often become this me versus you struggle. And then essentially it turns into lots of arguing. So guess who I'm inviting on the show today? It would be Chad Hangay to come on and talk about our own experience and the power of questions. Hi, Chad. Welcome to the podcast again. Stacy. glad to be here. This is one of our favorite topics. It is. It really is. I'm so happy. It's been a little while since you've been on, well, let's see, just a couple weeks ago, I guess, with Father's Day. But you and I are on the leadership team here at Connected Families, and you lead the parent certification, the coaching program. Yeah. And Tell us, how many coaches do we have now? Yeah, we are over 50 certified parent coaches through Connected Families, right at 55. And we've got uh, another group that's in training right now. So uh, yeah, it's really exciting to see the Connected Families framework grow through our parent coaches. In quite a few countries now too. Yeah, I think we're in 12 countries and maybe 25 U.S. states. Amazing. In just a couple of years. I think what I'm really excited too about the coaching program is just how many like churches and preschools are sending a staff person to get trained to be a parent coach, which is exciting for you and me, isn't it? Because it's just like our efforts are just so getting multiplied and it's thrilling. I mean, there was a day where we were going to workshops and yeah. uh, to churches to do a workshop. and uh, But now having coaches in a church who are able to really encourage and engage with that church community's congregation and people yeah. and needs and parents, that's far more effective. Uh, and then also, as you mentioned, other organizations, preschools or crisis pregnancy centers or whatever it might be. So right. really exciting. It's super exciting. So we get to come alongside all of those folks and help them. And it's wonderful. Well, today's topic (laughs) is around kids who argue. Yes. And I get it. And I'm passionate about this subject. You and I wrote the online course, Power of Questions. And we have a special offer that we have for people This month, actually, the month of June, it's a pay what you want offer. We're going to hear more about that later. But I want to read this note that came in from a parent in our community, and she wrote it straight to me, Chad. And you're (laughs) going to you're going to giggle at this, too. And probably you're like, "Mm -hmm, I was there. That's why Mm -hmm. we wrote the course. So here we go. Let me read it to you. This parent says, I figure a good episode title could be when your child is never wrong. 
I struggle by unintentionally getting into fights with my 13-year-old daughter over minor situations. The person says, as an easy example, she says something rude. I will notify her that her words weren't polite. And it's a gamble what occurs from there. Sometimes she'll deny that it even happened. And sometimes just get really angry. She'll immediately declare it was completely justified, her actions, because of something that some other kid had done to her. When these situations occur, I'm not even trying to discipline. I'm just trying to increase her awareness of her words or actions actions. When she responds in either of those ways, I get sucked into dealing with secondary issues other than the original offense that's not even relevant. And all of this is just repeated and it's a frustration in my household. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see even in the in the letter, I'm just trying to increase her awareness of her words or actions. Like my intentions are good intentions here. I just, I just wanted to understand like, hey, that that impacts people when you say things like that. Right. So, I mean, the, I, I think that's one thing I just always want to continue to just reinforce is that as parents, we've got good intentions. The things that we're doing are, yes. are intended to be helping our kids. But oftentimes we get that pushback or that sass back or whatever it might be. And that's that's hard to hear. So that is. <laughs> Well, I wanted to start off the show with just a little role play. Let's role play the before. So we have this mom's scenario and I'm going to change it just a little bit. Paul, do you want to be the kid and I'll be the parent? And then yeah, I'd love to later be the kid. on in the show, we'll redo the role play after we've learned a few things. Let's say mm-hmm. that. Okay. Yeah. So let's say let, you're the kid. Maybe you come in the house and the door slams behind you, but you had a sibling coming in right in behind you. So I'm mom and I watched that door just slam, nearly miss the fingers of the sibling. How did that sound? Yeah, that sounds great. Anything else we should lay out? Yeah, I mean, you're probably in a little bit of a hurry and uh, and I'm annoyed right now because, well... You didn't hold the door open or I've got to get to my, you know, thing that I'm really wanting to do. So I'm in a hurry. Yeah. I mean, we're all in a hurry all the time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. So here we, here we go. Dad, dad, you just let the door slam in your sister's face. Well, what? No, no, I didn't. You, no, I didn't. I did not. I didn't do that. I mean, if if you hold it, what? I saw that happen. I heard the door slam. Look at your your sibling's what? fingers almost got slammed in the door. You didn't hold you didn't hold the door open for me. I mean, you didn't hold it open for me. You just walked right through it and it slammed in my face. So what am I supposed to do? What when? What are you talking about? When you did that know happen? that I needed to get to my room right away because I need to get my glove and go outside, and you slammed the door in my face. So I just let it go. And if dad fixed the door, maybe it wouldn't keep slamming all the time. Hey, yes, the door. I think we just demonstrated already <laughs> what can often happen. It's like right, it's like the main issue is all of a sudden isn't even in the issue, and you don't even know what you're arguing right, about. Right. Yeah. Come on, dad, let's go. It's all dad's fault. Exactly. We can all agree. <laughs> that is hilarious because it's a little too real because right. our door is needs fixing and it's needed fixing for quite a while yes oh that's <laughs> hilarious well you know i think what we just demonstrated and what was really a part of the question that this parent sent in is that there are patterns of communication that start to happen in our homes and often what we call it in the course is this pattern of defensiveness. So let's just talk about that pattern of defensiveness and where it comes from and pull it apart a little bit. Yeah, I think for 
for me, my own experience and the parents that I coach on a pretty regular basis, everybody can typically describe almost word for word, tone of voice and facial expressions about how that situation or scenario goes. Uh And so part of it is there's already a pattern and a history. So we're already expecting in some ways, especially for certain kids, kind of the worst, like Mm -hmm. This could have been a, an accident, a carelessness. A, it actually, as a parent, might have even been some of my fault. But because this child already has some history, I am already defensive and thinking the worst about what that intention might have been. And, and so I think those, those patterns that start to show up, we can describe them. That's pretty important. But it starts to get this, this you versus me sort of feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we start getting into power struggles, sometimes thinking about power struggles as a tug of war you're wrong, I'm right. No, you're wrong, I'm right. And back and forth we go. And then we're ending up in places and spaces that we don't even know how we got here. And they are not helpful. I know. I love that tug of war picture that you just said. It's in the course. We even have a little cartoon that we had made. Mom's on one side and the child's on the other and the pile of the garbage can is in the middle. And, (laughs) you know, in our scenario, our role play, it was around shutting the door and holding it open for your sibling, but it can be around chores and really all of these daily things can be this tug of war because there is the pattern of defensiveness. And you kind of alluded to it, but there, it's true that there are kids who are more sensitive to being, I guess they would call they would feel it as attacked. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, you're coming on me right now. And our core sensitive and intense kids talks about that, but especially kids who might have a trauma history they would be more sensitive to how you talk to them when you do as parents. Yeah. 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 And we talk about sometimes just the overactive threat detector, like there's uh-huh. underlying anxiety already going on perhaps. And and now, you know, even a well-intended sort of, uh, hey, make sure you hold the door open, you know, even mm-hmm. with a little edge, but nothing, you know, yelling mm-hmm. or or even big and intense can just be right into defensiveness and yeah. gets that mechanism tripped a little bit. Yeah, that's right. And I'm going to probably say this a few times in this podcast, but as we say in the course, as soon as the conversation gets defensive, we're really not going to be going anywhere good Yes. in that conversation. So that's what leads us to the next part of this. How do we stop that pattern of defensiveness? Where do we start as parents? Yeah, you know, I, I think the, the Bible is a good place to start. So always looking at you know, a couple scriptures and watching Jesus's example. It's, he's recorded as asking 307 questions, and he oftentimes answered questions with questions. And And I, I like the passage in Mark 9, 33 to 36, and it says this, it says, they came to Capernaum when he was in the house, he asked them, these are his disciples, what are you arguing? What were you arguing about on the road? So it's clear they were arguing about something on the road. He didn't ask them or tell them on the road to stop it. He didn't confront them there. They argued. They get to the place they're going in the house. What were you arguing about on the road? And then this is one of the most fascinating responses. But they kept quiet because on the road, they had argued about who was the greatest. Sometimes when our kids don't fess up right away, the disciples didn't fess up either with Jesus. They were kind of like, well, maybe just don't say anything and and this will blow over or we won't have to deal with this. 
And then Jesus, it says later, sitting down, he called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. And he took a little child whom he placed among them, right? And so he brings this child in and in essence is saying, hey, if you want to be the, the greatest, you need to come as a child. And so there's a full lesson on engagement with a misbehaving child, disciple, whatever it might be, or whoever it might be, in terms of uh, what that could look like from changing that pattern of snapping every time you hear a, a harsh word spoken or a prideful word spoken to, hold on, settle down here, right? Get my heart under control. So anyway, I think that's that's a it's a good starting point. How about you? Yeah. What are you, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I like it. Well, I mean, you know, in every way we can, we want to follow Jesus' model. And he asked at least 307 questions. Just those are the ones recorded in the Bible around that. And he loved to answer questions with more questions, which we know now, I mean, that is just such great brain work. It gets our brains going. It helps us internalize what we really believe, what our value system is, what we know to be true about whatever the situation is. There's there's even science around when we say what we're going to do before we do it, there's a much chance we're going to actually do it. Yes. So there's a lot of benefits of asking our kids questions instead of just telling. And Jesus was just so good at that, at modeling that. We do want to look to scripture first. And then, you know, in the course we talk about being safe. Of course, that comes out of all that we teach here at Connected Families and Discipline That Connects and just safety first. And what does that look like in this context of just, you know, conversations, small little ones, longer ones? What is being safe? Of course, you know, we were just talking about the pattern of defensiveness. So the child doesn't feel safe in that. They feel like they have to defend themselves. So what does that mean for me as a parent? to shift that and come to them in a way where they do not feel like they need to be defensive. We're going to dig deeper into that. When you talk about safety too, I like to, I want to frame this a little bit in terms of the framework. When we're talking about asking questions, it really kind of fits into maybe that third level of the framework. We talk about coach and the message that comes out of coaching our kids well is, is child, you're called and you're capable. And so you're safe with me. First uh, bottom rung of the, the framework here, emotionally, physically, spiritually safe. Sometimes in preparation, I'll invite parents to think about, like in this kind of a situation, think about times where you would expect your child to likely be argumentative or defensive. Most of us can imagine a scenario in the next two or three days where something like that's going to happen again. We might not be able to say exactly what it is, but we're not going to be surprised by it anymore. Actually, I think that's a really important, helpful change for us to not be surprised by things we know are going to happen. If we know it's going to happen, I can start to prepare my heart for it and start to develop a game plan about how I want to interact differently. Mm -hmm. And I always think about it through the lens of like, I already know what's going to happen if I keep doing what I've always done. But if I do something different, there's a possibility something could change here, right? So I, I think that not being surprised, you're safe with me. Okay, get myself calmed down. You're loved no matter what. I expect this is going to happen. Your value doesn't rise and fall, whether you whether you obey me right away or you don't, or you argue or you go ahead and say, yes, dad, I'll do it right now. Then we get to your called and capable and we go, okay, well, what skills do we want to learn here? How do we want to grow this child in wisdom? And that's the difference, I think, for us and even in writing the course is, is getting out of 
telling and into asking, right? It's like yep. building wisdom here is what we're really after. So right. I think that uh, Ephesians 2.10, where God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So yep. building capability, yep. building capacity here. Shifting the perspective, you had mentioned it early in the course. When you have these patterns of defensiveness, often it's because you've had experiences in the past where you now have these judgments built up against your child. They always do that. This mm -hmm. is how they are. Yes. And so this is part of the work I think that needs to happen early on is this shift of fully embracing Ephesians 2.10 for your child and that you are called and you are capable. You are God's workmanship, my child. And so I want to come alongside you and think about the best ways to grow wisdom in you and help you blossom into the capability and the calling that I know God has for your life. Yeah. Right. And that comes from telling, asking, because again, like we said before, we want to activate our kids' minds and really have them be thinking about and taking ownership of their life. And they, so we do that through curious questions. So we use the word curious and lighthearted a lot. And we're going to go to a break. But after that, I really want to dive into those two words. How do we get to that curious place? And what does a lighthearted response and question look like? So we'll do that in just a minute. Hey friends, we have an online course that you could start today called The Power of Questions, Less Arguing, More Wisdom. This month, we have a special campaign going on called Name Your Own Price. That's right. For this month only, you determine the price and get full access to the course. We get lots of questions from parents every day. Here's one of them. My four-year-old son struggles to focus. I often find myself Repeating requests like, please go get your jammies on multiple times before I believe that he even heard my request. What can I do to help him hear me sooner and encourage his follow through? Well, we have an answer for this parent. My coworker, Chad Hangay and I are certified coaches. We learned early that asking our kids curious questions instead of telling all the time was a complete game changer. And right, you guys? telling over and over, go get your jammies on, it gets really, really tiring. Well, hey, the power of questions, less arguing, more wisdom. It's four sessions. And for this month only, name your own price. You can sign up yourself or grab a friend. It's fun to do it as a group. Either way, do it today before the name your own price campaign ends. All the details are in the show notes. All right, we're here back after the break, and I'm with Chad Hangay, who's the co-author with me of the Power of Questions online course. We love talking about this topic, and I'm going to love this second half. Chad, I didn't <laughs> tell you this earlier. I was talking with a mom this morning, and she has little kids, I think a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And she said, Stacy, it's so easy to have friends with kids that are the same age as mine, mm. but I just crave having relationships with moms who are, you know, one step ahead, two steps ahead of me. 
I was just sharing some of the things that are going on in my life, sending my kids off to college and encouraging her with the work that she's doing right now with her two and her four-year-old and how I did that work. And now I feel like I'm seeing it in my kids' lives. Like I feel so much more peace knowing I've done that work because I'm launching them with those skills. And this topic right now, wisdom is one of them. Yes. And so, yeah. So I want to now move into then how do we get curious? What does lighthearted feel like when I'm having conversations? So let me ask Chad the first question. How do I know when I'm not curious and I'm not lighthearted? Some key indicators. Typically, I don't really want to hear the story. I (laughs) just want action. (laughs) <laughs> so that would be one of the key indicators for me. It's like, no, no, just just do it. And so I think there's an impatience that rises in me that, that I, I recognize. And again, that's back to your safe with me. It's like, okay, hold on. That impatience is telling me something. What is it yeah. telling me? Let me just pay attention to that here for a moment. But, and then I, I think a key indicator for me is just, just starting to recognize how often I tell my kids things that they already know the answer to. Because I actually believe, I do believe this, that if everybody in our family did what I told them to do, when I told them to do it, how I told them to do it, our family would run very smoothly. Just It's just not that everybody has signed up for that. So anyway, but that telling, right? That's a big, the big deal. Go brush your teeth. You have to get your pajamas on before you go to bed. Yes. Yes. You need your cleats for soccer. Now get like, your backpack, your laundry, get your laundry over here. If you don't get it over here, before, then it's not going to get washed. Go get your homework done. Yeah, Come, yeah. Toys, no, dinner time, right? Just, you have to do your homework before dinner. That's yes. the rule. Uh, <laughs> I guess we have to say every single day. I don't... Yes. Yeah. And then what happens? Our kids kind of get conditioned into that too. Yeah. Right? It's like, oh, well, I'm really not responsible. I think they're getting the message that I'm not responsible. My parents are responsible because they keep telling me. And so they'll keep track of the things that have to get done. So throw it in just really quick for everyone listening. How do we change that? Just going to give you a quick few quick ones, right? Like what needs to happen before dinner? Oh, great. You know, you know what we worked out with the family. How about what what happens before you go to bed? What needs to happen? And they can say, I need to brush my teeth. Yep. What else? Yeah. I need to get my jammies on. Yep. Those are for small kids. And then, you know, people can apply it to middle school, but let's, okay. So let's move to how to get curious. We use this picture in the course of scuba diving yeah. and oxygen and just the idea of, you know, when you strap on all your gear and you lower yourself into the water, you are expecting to see this beautiful world that you don't regularly interact with. Like there's going to be gorgeous fish and there's gorgeous coral and who knows, you might find a treasure chest there, right? But we get really calm and we just sit in it. And we can't be under the water like that unless we have our oxygen tank on. And so we use that picture, like curiosity is the oxygen to allow us to enter into these conversations with our kids. Do you have any thoughts, any more thoughts on that, Chad? Yeah, it's it's the the getting below the surface. Like you can only see so much sitting on the boat, looking down. Like yeah, super clear water. You can probably see a little bit more, but mostly it's 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 hard to see. But yeah. I, I think you're it's it's getting into that perspective, shifting perspective, getting under, and expecting that there's going to be something under 
the surface that you don't right. know. And I think that's where the curiosity comes in as well. It's like, am I truly curious or am I asking questions kind of rotely is like, you know, is there a question that I'm asking where the answer might, I might learn something, you know? So I think there, there's that, that mix of curious and lighthearted, I think is really important. And just to be crystal clear, we're talking about our kids. That's it. I want to get so curious and lighthearted. So strap on that oxygen to understand what's under the surface in their life. Why are they feeling the way that they're feeling? What is going on in their world right now? And so then I'm not coming at them with these predetermined judgments based on experiences with them and interactions. So that's what we're talking about when we're talking about curious and lighthearted. You know, all of this also that we've alluded to it is we want to grow wisdom. This is the ultimate reason why I really wanted to learn how to stop telling I was such a teller and start asking questions because it opened their hearts to be able to have hard conversations. So let's just talk a little bit about what it means to grow wisdom in these conversations. Coaching with a couple recently, and they were talking a little bit about their 12-year-old daughter whose art project was late. She got 50% on the project. If she had handed it in on time, she would have you know, gotten a better score, but it dropped her to a, an F. She's failing Ooh. art. Mm -hmm. And there's only one project left that she can hand in to raise that above failing. And the immediate response for the parents, and I think most parents would be to put some sort of consequence that threatens something they really like. So, mm. well, if if you don't pass that class, you're not going to be on electronics or screens or any anything. That's that's the deal. So you're okay, okay. And it's kind of this punitive focus of hoping to, you know, create enough painful situations so the child doesn't want that, so they'll move into that. That's really a fear-based kind of compliance that you might get, I think, out of that. But I'm not sure it would be a wisdom building experience. And so as we talked mm. about that. Just the first question that we talked about is uh, like, first, whose problem is this? The yeah, parents took it yes. on kind of as their problem. And then secondarily, mm -hmm. could we ask a question to that to that child? So what's your plan? Again, no illusion here that the child's going to go, oh, such a good question. You know, actually, it is. <laughs> okay. I do have a plan. Let me, you know, none of that. Yeah. But first, like, what's the plan? And then if we're going to bring a consequence in, what's a consequence that, that actually lines up with our values? Our family is a family that starts, when they start, they complete something. And so maybe mm -hmm. a consequence along the lines of, hey, we really, we believe in you. If there's anything that we can do to help you, let us know. What do you need from us, if anything? Mm -hmm. Not doing it for you, obviously, but but supporting you. And if for some reason that grade doesn't raise above the F, um, we're still going to have you complete it sometime this summer. And when you complete it, whenever this summer, uh, you'll be able to access screens again. But until then, you know, but balls in your court because yeah. our family starts something and they finish it. Uh, so whether yeah. you finish it now or you finish it this summer, we just trust that you'll make a, a, a good decision around that. Mm -hmm. right? Again, it's, it's, really it's, good. it's not prescriptive. I don't hear that and go, oh, everybody should do that. But it is descriptive of thinking yeah. through how might we engage that to empower the child to take and own the problem by asking some questions here? I mean, I think what I heard you say is really asking questions helps the parents to let go of needing to manage the behavior yes. or even like own or fix the problem, yes. right? They were like, I, we need a consequence because that is going to be what's going to fix this. Yes. And when we start with those questions, 
And we don't need to fix it immediately. We're just slowing the process down. And I would actually even be very curious to ask the daughter what was going on in mm-hmm. art class. I can, mm-hmm. I can remember when my daughter, who did not like art, answered that question with my teacher told me or said to me, you really don't like art very much, do you? It was just like this negative comment yep. that really felt like the teacher said, your art's not any good. Yes. And so there was actually a lot going on deeper in her around art class. So what would, what would come out if we asked questions and got really curious, strapped on our oxygen tank to ask those questions? You know, I, I think another point here that's important around having wisdom conversations is just really understanding that when we're asking questions, we're just on this journey of growing wisdom with our kids. So just one conversation is not the be all and end all of the conversation yes. that we can come back to it. Yes. Yeah. I think that's really, really important. As we think about the, the long game, I'll oftentimes ask parents, mm-hmm. how do you want this to look six months from now? What do we want it to look like then? Because the, the kids you have today are likely the same ones you're going to have tomorrow. There's nothing that you're likely going to do to just switch everything. But six months from now, responding differently, there's a really good possibility that things are going to shift and change when we've got that longer view. Yeah, that's really good. Let's end this episode with redoing the role play that <laughs> we did in the beginning. And we won't we won't carry it out too long, but we yeah. want to just give a taste of how it could have gone different, okay? So you just walked in the house, your sibling was behind you, the door slammed in the sibling's face, missing the fingers by just a little bit. We're all in a hurry cuz who knows why? There's always a reason to be in a hurry. And I'm going to interact with you about that. Okay. You ready? Yep. You ready? Okay. Hey, Chad, Chad, hey, hold up, hold up. Can you come over here a second? What? What? I got to go to my room. I, yeah. I, well, just one second. I want to talk to you about one thing. Can you just turn around? What just happened just now? What? what yeah. You... What were you doing? What, what were you doing just now? Well, I, I, I was coming through the door and, and I, yeah. I was going to my bedroom. Yep. I had to get my glove. I know. And I heard that door slam because I know it's kind of broken and it slams quick. I saw yeah, that. Dad's got to get to that. I know he will. He will. But who was coming in behind you? Uh, My brother. Yep. Your brother was. What did you notice about how fast that door slammed like close to him? I don't know. I just needed to get to my room. I, I didn't look. I didn't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand how you were just like moving fast. And, but I want you to know that what I saw is that his fingers almost got hit by that door. And I'm wondering, do you have like, what would be common courtesy in our house for doors? How could you have shown love to your brother as far as the door goes? Well, he's so slow though. I mean, I, I mean, I, I know, I, mm-hmm. I guess I could, I could wait for him, but if he hurries up, cause I've got to get out, I got to get, I got to get my glove. But I, I mm-hmm. could, I could wait. I could, I could hold it open, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, how many seconds do you think you'd have to wait? Forever. I mean, it's like, ugh. but maybe I, mean, I could I count it. to like five or something and tell him. Yeah, that's there you go. Close. I don't know. Yeah. Count to five. How could you ask him to hurry up in a respectful way if you were holding the door? Mm. Uh, boy, he doesn't usually listen to me, but yeah. I guess I could just tell him I got to go and say, could you hurry up, please? Or Sure. I uh, love that. That sounds like such a respectful way to interact with your brother and just common courtesy around the house. I love that idea, Chad. So you think you could do that next time? Yeah, I could try. 
what do I do if he doesn't come right away? Because maybe I'll just tell you or something, or I'll put a chair in the door or something. I don't know. Well, you know, if he's far back, it's okay to just close the door. But when someone's really close to you, that's when we just want to have a little extra courtesy. But let's work with that. But okay, that's all. Thanks for having that little conversation. I know that you'll be more courteous next time of your little brother. I got to get my glove. Okay, awesome. Have fun outside. There you go, Chad. How's that role play? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Just, well, just just the just the asking the questions. It's like, hey, 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 right? come on, come over here. So you know, just yeah. even the posture makes a difference. Mm-hmm. From I didn't feel, I didn't feel like I was in big trouble. So right. I, you know, I think that 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 uh, just starting out like that and asking a question about what I already know and I didn't know, but you asked me a mm-hmm. question about what I knew instead of accusing me of intentionally shutting the door in his face or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might've been. So I think just getting off to a good start. Right. Is so important. We're stopping that pattern of defensiveness by our tone of voice, by our body language, by pulling him aside, by, you know, if I was with you, I'd probably have my hand on your shoulder or yeah. you know, something like that. Maybe even offer you, you want a quick snack or anything before you go out. It would have been doing my best to connect with you. Yeah. Any, any last thing, even from the role play or even the whole conversation today, Chad, any final comments? Asking questions is a skill to grow in. For most of us, it doesn't come very naturally. So uh, give yourself a lot of grace as well. Mm-hmm. It's not a voice or a spirit of condemnation. Uh, it is receiving God's grace and then pressing in and coming with that, with that grace to our kids and being curious. I always think about just asking maybe one more question than you normally might have asked, or what's the just right challenge here to ask maybe three questions before you move into telling. It's a, it's a work in progress. So just noticing even is always a good thing. Notice when I, when I, in, when I'm inclined to tell and uh, just pay attention to that. It's a work in progress and it's really good, important work because yes. I know, you know, and now I know as I send my kids off to college that the work that I did when they were in elementary school to really get curious and lighthearted and to work to grow wisdom in them served us so well as we moved through middle school and we moved through high school and we weren't talking about, you know, taking the trash out anymore. It was harder, deeper conversations of you know, value systems and hard things that they were interacting with, with friends and, you know, and then later what college to go to and how do I walk through those kinds of conversations with lightheartedness and curiosity and wanting to grow wisdom. And so this is really good work that we think is really important to do. Right on. Chad, thanks for this conversation today. Hey, everybody. So glad that you are here with us today. Be sure to go to the show notes and click the link to get all the information about the special offer that we have going on this month. There's just about one week left to get the Power of Questions online course for the pay what you want price. (laughs) That means you set the price, everybody. All right. Well, we are a listener-supported organization. Over 46,000 parents like you listen to this podcast every month. Individual donations make the work to equip and encourage families possible. For more information about Connected Families, follow us on Instagram or Facebook or go to connectedfamilies.org. I'll see you next time.